Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, Mets fans. Welcome to the Happy Recap Radio Show, little pregame edition. I'm JB, along with EJ on your Sunday afternoon. And EJ, I tell you, you know, it's one of those things, a couple-game losing streak, and uh, it feels like it's just all dark and rainy outside even when it isn't. Yeah, you know, this, uh, this has definitely been a week of frustration, to say the least, and Obviously, you uh, you never wanted to fall out of first place once you were finally able to to get yourself in that position and be able to retweet the incomparable Carl Ravitch as often as I did about the division being clinched in April. But uh, you certainly didn't ever want to look up and uh, see the Phillies standing above you in May at this point in the season. You know, and I think the Phillies are certainly one of the more inexplicable things. It's much like I think we said about the Braves around this time last year. Maybe it was a little bit earlier in the season where they, they forgot to read the memo that they're supposed to suck this year. Uh, and the reality of it is they've come out of the gate pretty strong, and uh, I have a hard time believing that's going to sustain, so I'm not particularly concerned about it. But it's certainly when you go from being tied for first place two days ago to looking in the standings this morning and seeing your team in third place, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, certainly after the way that in which the Mets lost the game last night, you know, when, when you have a game that, uh, well, stronger heads should have prevailed and you don't let things get to you. But to be honest, the loss was caused by an umpire. Yeah, that was some ridiculously bad umpiring. You, of course, like to see the team fight through that and overcome, but it definitely was a situation where it felt like after the second blown call, it felt like any chance of this team recovering from uh, – from those bad calls or wasn't happening last night. You had a starting pitcher who basically after looking dominant in his one other start in Coors Field, definitely looked humbled by the conditions of, of the ballpark. And again, when you basically have the, the umpires that's seemingly working against you, you're never going to be able to, to claim a victory in a game like that. Yeah, absolutely not. And I think that that's, that's uh, you know, one of those things where something has happened in each of those games, but uh you know, I think I've said this a couple times now, EJ. I know I certainly said it on Twitter. What we're dealing with here is a streaky team with a lot of streaky players. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing you look at when you account for this is, you know, we, we try not to talk about too much on the off-the-field angle of him, but there's no one streakier right now than Matt Harvey. Yeah, actually, I don't even know if you can call it a streak because that would indicate that there's been uh... – some vintage typical Matt Harvey, and I really don't feel like we've seen that Harvey this year. I feel like we see him for a couple innings a game, and then seemingly a couple of times through the lineup, all of a sudden the wheels are coming off in the mid-innings, and you're just not seeing that complete and utter dominance out of Matt Harvey. And, and really, there's no rhyme or reason. We've heard Dan more than say it was a mechanical flaw and he's fixed it. Well, clearly that's not the case. And, uh, you know, I, I keep joking through April, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm worried about Harvey this early in the season. And I said it on our last show. We're at the point where there is time to, to feel some concern about uh, about a couple of our pitchers here, Harvey being first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly areas where I, that, that, I, that I have concern, you know, sitting here on May 15th. 
Um, none of them are areas where I am like, oh my gosh, this, you know, watch out for that iceberg over there. Um, that you know, you really need to turn the ship. But there's certainly, I mean, obviously the Matt Harvey thing is is, is worth following. You know, Stephen Matt's in his elbow, obviously worth keeping an eye on because if there's one thing we've learned, the guy's had two Tommy John surgeries already. Uh, a third one, that's there ain't anybody I know that's come back from a third one. Um, so obviously that's something you need to keep an eye on. And, you know, uh, to a lesser extent, what's going on behind the plate? Um, you know, what's Travis Darno going to be like when he eventually gets back, whenever that may be? Um, you know, and, and you know, the other thing, of course, is David Wright. Now, I'm not the alarmist that some people are, you know, the dead man walking and all this stuff, and they're written off for dead. And I love making those jokes. It's like, oh, the zombie got a hit because to make fun of the people that just basically have him as dead in the water. I'm not that guy. I am the guy that says this is a guy dealing with diminished skills due to his injury, but he's also the guy that I believe has the work ethic and natural ability to overcome it better than most people would. That being said, you know, despite the high walk rate, at some point you have to look at changing that batting order up just a little bit not necessarily dropping him because he's doing poorly, but perhaps raising somebody up like Cabrera because they're doing good. Yeah, I mean, Cabrera's season thus far is screaming your vintage typical two-hole hitter right now. He's hitting the contact, he gets on base, and he's definitely a guy who you basically have seen in the middle of what few rallies the Mets have had. And don't forget, that's another factor that we do have to talk about at some point is the fact that we don't have sustained rallies, the fact that we only hit home runs. So you uh, you definitely have to worry about that. But I would definitely like to see Cabrera moved up. I'd like to see uh, a lot of different things happening within the lineup right now. But I am, I'm, really, I'm not concerned with David yet. I, I'm at the point where I know he's going to take every Sunday off for the rest of the season, and he's probably going to need a day in the middle of the week as well, and that's just who he is. But I look at him, and people are – really killing him last night after last night's game. And then I go and I look at the box score and I see, oh, David Wright was two for five with a double. Granderson and Cabrera were 0 for 7. So it's like, where's the, uh, where's the comparison there? I, I think Wright's still going to get his hits in his spots. I still have not given up on the concept that he's probably one of the most clutch Mets that we've seen coming up in the big spot. And uh, I'm not really all that concerned with him. The concern really that I have with David Wright is the fact that if he's taking two days off a week, why is Eric Campbell the only option right now at third base? I was told that Wilmer Flores could handle third base, and we saw him do it in spring training, and I was told there was going to be another option there. And really, this is the third time. Today's the third time this week that we've seen Eric Campbell start a game, and we've said it time and time again. Eric Campbell has a spot on a major league roster. He is a late-inning power bat off the bench who could pop one over the wall for you and at least – deserves to be respected by the opposing pitcher. This is not a guy who deserves to be in the lineup every day. Campbell has proven it time and time again that once he starts playing almost every day, he gets exposed. And we're seeing a ton of that right now. There's no reason why we're sitting here watching Eric Campbell today for the third time this week. Well, and and certainly the the reason the Mets will give you is that, uh, you know, with Wilmer Flores on the 15-day disabled this with a strained hamstring, um, they've chosen to go with uh, you know an extra reliever in this series, which would be a great idea if they hadn't mismanaged the situation horrifically the past couple of days, especially as it regards to Sean Gilmartin. Uh, but um, the, uh, the the reality of it is is you know the Mets are operating a, a guy short. 
Um, the talk around the team is that Matt Reynolds will be called up uh, for, for Tuesday's game, potentially. Well, Matt Reynolds is hitting 240 at AAA right now. There are yep. two guys, two infielders hitting better, but unfortunately they're not on the 40-man roster, and, you know, there's not a lot of maneuvering that the Mets have available to them uh, at this point. You know, the 140-man roster change that they made in bringing up uh, Rivera when Darno went down was uh, moving Zach Wheeler to the 60-day DL, to effectively taking him off. You know, it's a paper move, taking him off the 40-man roster for now. But the, uh, the the Mets don't have a move they can necessarily make. And it's just, I mean, it is really obvious that this Mets bench, which, you know, and certainly I don't think that the method of success was, you know, Tejada or no Tejada, because, I mean, that's how, you know, that's how Campbell got on the roster. I don't think that we're celebrating in the streets if Tahad is playing third base today instead of Eric Campbell, per se. But it just shows you the Mets need a veteran presence off the bench that can play third base twice a week. That's what they need. They, and I, I know who you're going to say, and I don't disagree <laughs> other than other than perhaps, I, you know, I do think that that particular player is a bit old, but they certainly didn't show it last year. But they need somebody in the mold of Juan Uribe. Yep, you're absolutely right. That's the guy the entire time you were talking just now. That's the only name that was you were describing Juan Uribe to a T. I was very bummed out when they didn't re-sign him. I loved the Neil Walker signing. I thought it was a great one, um, acquiring Neil Walker rather. But I just said, you know what, even though he's a middle infielder, I still thought that Uribe would have served a purpose on this team, and he certainly would have at this point. Heck, I could really fire up the trolls right now and mention a certain guy who's now playing down in Washington, hashtag I'm with 28, that he would ha- probably be serving a major role on this team right now. But you're right. Okay, we don't have those guys. We lost your eBay. We don't have Murphy. This is the time that Sandy needs to go out and get someone. Because this isn't a, oh, wait to the deadline type deal because something might change. Nothing's going to change. David Wright is still going to need a minimum two, possibly more days off a week. So, you can act now and try to get that guy, or you can be sitting here potentially looking at, depending on the severity of Flores' injury, it seems like Mets never come back in the 15-day time period, that you could be looking at a sustained situation of Eric Campbell in the starting lineup two to three times a week, and that is just absolutely unacceptable for any major league team. Yeah, and I think the thing about it is, I think they, you know, and this is going to be one of those things, I think that, you know, varies a little bit based on how, you know, uh, Flores progresses with with his with his injury, and you know, quite frankly, I, I see uh, you know the the Mets needing you know Flores back and Flores back healthy, but I also think a little time at AAA to help him uh, play every day and get that bat up and running again wouldn't really hurt him too much. Um, you know, who knows what San? I mean, I think we've learned from the people we've talked to that Sandy's not an idiot, and that if we're seeing this problem, odds are Sandy is seeing it too. And, you know, we don't know what the asking price for a Juan Uribe type is on the market right now. Uh, it could very well be, well, we know how badly you need Juan Uribe, so we're going you know, to throw you over the barrel. And, you know, that's certainly possible. And, you know, uh, but it would be nice to see um, one of the beat reporters next time uh, when the Mets are back in New York, kind of say to Sandy, you know, what's the long-term plan for off days at third base? Is Eric Campbell really a long-term solution? And kind of push him into a corner because if the price is too high, you know, I get it. I, it's not worth giving up, you know, it's not worth giving up uh, Hansel Robles or something like that to get 
a, a two day a week third baseman. But you know, if a month if you gotta wait a month and give up next to nothing, maybe that's what you gotta do. But I just need to know they recognize the problem that Campbell is not the solution. I can wait a couple weeks if I had to, but don't make me wait much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's also we have to consider the distinct possibility of David Wright hitting the disabled list at some point this season. I, I feel like he's been healthy. I feel he's been managing this very well so far. It's a bummer that he has to take two days off a week. It's really smart of him to recognize the fact that he needs to take two days off a week, especially knowing what a gamer David Wright is and how bad he wants to be in there. And, uh, hopefully the influence of a guy like a Curtis Granderson in his head right now telling him, hey, you got to know your own body here. But that being said, I mean, let's face it. I think you're kind of playing with fool's gold if you're not going to say David Wright's going to hit the DL at some point this year. I feel like it's inevitable. If it doesn't, great. Come and make me eat my words in October, and I'll, I'll happily eat them. But I feel like you, you have to be a realist that it could pop up at any day. After a game, we could find out David Wright back stiffness is going on the DL for two weeks. And if that happens after today's game, then you got to ask yourself, now what? Now you're looking at a situation where Eric Campbell's your everyday third baseman until Wright's back, and that is a scary proposition. It's a really scary proposition, especially on days when you have Rene Rivera behind the plate, who, let's be honest, I mean, he is a defensive wizard. That is his calling card, and I feel very confident with his pitch calling and his defense behind the plate. Uh, but his bat, has, I mean, while it's been certainly acceptable so far for the Mets, uh, you know, the Mendoza line is a good year for him. Um, so I think you know you got to you got to look at you know got to look at that and go he, he's definitely a defensive catcher, um, you know and and that's another question for I mean you know we had the situation this week where uh, Darno uh, tried to wind up that uh, shoulder for the first time uh, had soreness and immediately got shut back down again. And at what point EJ? I mean, and I'm saying this I'm a I'm a Darno guy. I like I've always liked Darno. I mean I've always been upfront about that. I like Flo Eke as well, um, but at the same time, what point do you go out there and go, we got to call Milwaukee and ask about Luke Roy. We just have to. Uh, I'm kind of with you, man. I, I definitely feel like I was surprised in the spring. I think we were talking to Mark Carrig about it, uh, about the fact that they were talking about Darno possibly getting some reps at first base this spring, as we know that never happened. Um, I'm kind of feeling like almost as inevitable as it is that David Wright will hit the disabled list at some point. I have that equal feeling of it's inevitable that Travis Darno will hit the disabled list. And I think it's time to really start recognizing the fact that he might not physically be able to handle being an everyday catcher. So then you have to ask yourself, is Kevin Ploiecki good enough to be your everyday catcher? And that's another question that I'm, I'm definitely not saying yes to yet. The, the kid's shown flashes with his bat but definitely not with any consistency. It might be the fact that he's hitting low in the lineup and he's not getting the protection. Who knows? But he's definitely not seeming like he's going to offensively help the team, which you can deal with out of your catcher. A lot of teams have defense-only catchers. But right now, I don't feel like Pilecki's proven himself a good enough defensive catcher to be one of those guys, one of those 240 hitting but really good defensive catchers. So, I definitely think where we once had a question mark of which guy is going to be the man, we have to now start questioning a little bit, do we actually have the man? Yeah, it's it's not so much as which guy is the man, it's now is either the man. 
And you exactly. know, the reality of it is, is you know, if you could if you could pick up a uh, you know, Lacroix for a package that involved, say, someone like you know Ligaris, um, you know Ploiecki or Darneau, and a prospect. Do you do it? And I think at this point, my resounding answer is hell yes. Yeah, I would absolutely do a deal like that. I think that would be a good deal for both sides, and I think it would help the Mets in the long run fill a hole that's kind of been a question mark for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, this, and keep in mind, LaCroix is a guy who wants how you know, he's got, uh, I think he's got an option year left. He's got a crazy, ridiculously uh, team friendly contract with an option this year. I think it's five this year and six and a half next on the option. Uh, then he's a free agent. He is 30. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, you got the guy for, you know, a season and a half to decide whether or not he's your long-term solution. Um, he's definitely shown that last year's off year was a fluke. Um, I think he's getting up near 300 at the moment. Uh, he's not got a lot of power, but he's a good spray doubles hitter. And quite frankly, he's the kind of consistent hitter that uh, people are missing in this lineup because of the fellow that moved uh, 150 miles to the south. Um, and the reality of it is he's exactly the kind of hitter we need in this lineup. Lucroy answers a lot of questions, and it makes even tolerable if you, you know, occasionally a once or twice a week of Eric Campbell at third base. It, he, he covers a lot of ills. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that lineup hole, left, that void left by Murph, definitely would be filled by a guy of his caliber. I thought Neil Walker was going to be the guy. And as we've seen, even he is susceptible to the, the streakiness of this lineup. And I think what's most frustrating well, I, about I knew it is, that about I knew that about Walker coming in. That was the thing. Coming in about Walker, the one strike against him that I had was I knew he was streaky. I knew he had more power. I knew he had better defense, although I tell you right now, he has better defense than, than advertised coming into the season. I have been nothing but happy with Neil Walker's and, and Cabrera, especially as a double play combo. Um, it's almost it, it's almost like a vacuum in there, uh, but uh, you know I, I think that uh, Walker, yeah, he's streaky. Got how many streaky guys on your team at this point? Granderson, streaky, right? Streaky. Conforto, clearly, apparently, he's streaky too. Unfortunately, um, and he he's certainly been on a bad be. streak. No, I didn't think Conforto was going to be. I thought he was going to be a consistent hitter. Uh, that's where. I was fooled with Conforto. I knew he was going to put up power, and he's done it, but I thought that this kid was going to be an upper 200s, maybe even a 300 hitter who was a consistent force in the lineup, and he has proven. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of what's around him because, as we've seen, this team gets hot together. This team gets streaky and cold together. And what you were hoping coming into this year is you're naming all the streaky players that we have. Okay, if Duda and Granderson go into a cold slump, hopefully those other streaky players wouldn't rival that cold slump at the same time, and that's not happening. What's happening right now is everybody gets hot together, nice run, then everybody goes cold together, and you end up losing three games in Colorado. Yeah, and I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, with Conforto, I still have some hope that he emerges from this streakiness. I think a lot of it is caused by the fact that the book on him is finally out there, um, and that it's now it's time for him to be a big boy and adjust. Um, because it's you know it really is that rookie adjustment you have to make, where okay the league has seen me twice now, or some of them have seen me once, some are on their third or fourth chance you know of seeing me, and uh, you know you, you look at that and go okay it's it's time for me to adjust to pitching a little bit differently here, um, you know I, I think that with with you know with him specifically, 
Um, I think you're you're dealing with a guy who who has a chance of getting out of that habit. Cespedes, Duda, Granderson, they are who they are. They are going to be those streaky guys. Walker is going to be that streaky guy. Darno, if healthy, is going to be that streaky guy. Conforto, I think, is the only guy I think on this team that has a chance of turning it around. That said, you need another guy in that lineup to do that. Now, I don't, you know, I don't think that, you know, I, I don't for a minute think that Murphy was the guy to keep, but you, you did take Murphy out and leave a Murphy-sized hole. Now, I don't think that hole should have been sold by Murphy, but, I, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things. You're going to have to bring in a consistent clutch, for lack of a better term, clutch hitter who is good at situational hitting, high in average, good in doubles, not really much power. That's the guy you need. That's Jonathan Lucroy. Yeah, that's a great name because I think that's a name that could definitely make an impact on this lineup. And, you know, when you're going back to the guys who are two holes. Absolutely. You know, I got to say, I thought, I thought Darno was going to be more of that type of hitter that we were looking for. One of those I did too. spray doubles, high average. And he's a guy that I'm kind of disappointed that, that he has become such a streaky player. And you do have to wonder, is that, again, a byproduct of just being in this lineup that it's almost like it, it affects everyone from the top to the bottom when a couple guys go into the, their cold slumps? Because Darno, when he first came up, I mean, all you could talk about was that swing. That swing is just pure baseball money swing. And that's not a swing that should be one that would be susceptible to a long cold spell. You know, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, you know, those of us, uh, you know, you and me included, that follow our, you know, our minor leagues pretty well, especially keeping up with minor league updates. You know, I, I look at down to double A of Binghamton, and I see the numbers that Dominic Smith is putting up this year. He's still a doubles machine. He's still hitting for high average. And he's finally picking up some pop to hitting his fourth home run yesterday. It took him until July to hit his fourth home run last year. Uh, you know, and it still begs the question, how much longer can we go on with Duda? I'm sorry. I love Lucas when he's hot. There's nobody hotter. But these cold streaks are murder. You said it best. He has a good week every month. And that's really what we've seen out of Lucas. I mean, we got fortunate. So far, his good week this this season came against all NL East opponents. So that was great that he was able to help us beat the Braves and on the Braves and the Phillies. But unfortunately, especially when your team's going through it, and especially when you're out on the West Coast, you're 17 games away from home, and it seems like nobody can buy a hit. You just can't live with your cleanup guy being either a consistent out or only a walk. You need some more consistency out of that cleanup spot because it feels like or even when he's hitting five, but it just feels like if they get past, uh, if you get past, you're in Cespedes right now, or if even better, Cespedes gets a two-out double, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, there's no chance that Cespedes is scoring because Duda is such a suck right now on that lineup. I don't know what you can do with Lucas Duda. He hits too hard. He hits too much power to, say, move him down in the lineup, but he doesn't hit consistently to keep him fifth in the lineup. So I really don't know what to do with Duda. You know I'm not a member of the Duda fan club by any stretch of the imagination. I've been rough on him before. But honestly, I just can't see this lineup going into a postseason play and performing any better than they did last year. And that's a problem. We've seen it when they face good pitching. Even when the team was hot, then you come up against the Madison Baumgartner and you get absolutely shut down. And those are the guys you face in October. You don't get a lot of third, fourth, and fifth guys in the rotation in October. You're going to be facing the Madison Bumgardners of the world 
And right now, this, this lineup is just way too inconsistent to expect any kind of success against guys of that caliber. Yeah, the thing too. I mean, you know, you you look at the way that because of the way this this team is built on the on the you know on the streakiness. I mean, you have a team that you know while it doesn't have an Ichiro, reminds me of a lot of the 2001 Mariners. They're going to win a ton of regular season games because they're better than a lot of their opponents. When you get to the playoffs, if you hit that cold streak, you're out in the first round. You're just Absolutely. gone. And that's why that's part of why, remember when we talked about our early season prediction, I was very high on the Mets making the playoffs. I still am. I still absolutely 100% am. But the streakiness that I see, um, and I feel better about it than I did, because I saw this team as streaky in 07 and 08 too. And both of those years, I thought it was that streakiness that was going to kill us. And sadly, in both cases, I was right. This I don't feel quite as fatalistic about when it comes to playoff hopes because I think they're going to be better more often than they're bad. Um, you know, They're not quite as good as what we saw in April, but they are damn better than this, and I know that. This is not the real 2016 Mets. Now, we need them to show back up this week when we play the Nationals, that's for sure. But, um, you know, as far as the playoffs go, that's why I wouldn't make a pro- you know, projection as to how far I think they'll get. I think they could easily sweep their way right through and win in you know, 12 straight, and win the World Series. I think it's equally possible they could get bounced in the first round if everybody goes cold. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I agree. I mean, then getting to the playoffs, A, isn't the goal. Not for the fans, not for the teams, not for the players, not for the coaches. Everybody's admitted that. And I feel like they'll definitely still get there because you're right. They aren't as bad as we've seen these past couple games. And despite where they stand right now, you still have a ton of games with the Phillies and a ton of games with the Braves. And those are teams you are going to probably be able to beat up on. Those are teams that you're probably going to, if you get into a slugfest with them, you're going to outslug them. If you get into a pitching duel with them, you're going to outpitch them. So the Mets are going to get those regular season victories. Again, though, man, my concern is just you're absolutely right. I can see them getting to that first round, coming up against two buzzsaw pitchers who just completely mow them down as the bats go silent. And I, I don't want this team to end up trying to be the, the Royals of last year offensively because that's a really, that was a really special lineup. That was a, a lineup consisting of some really special hitters who, who just go about it differently than a lot of major league hitters as far as their plate approach. But you, there's got to be the happy medium. I love home runs. I love seeing Mets hit home runs. I love seeing Mets hit home runs in big spots. I just don't want, to be completely reliant on the home run, and it feels like they are right now. I mean, you go into a game like last night, I turned it on, it's 3-1, all of a sudden, I'm like, ah, okay, they can still come back, boom, 4-1. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. And when you're playing in Coors Field and it's like the third inning, you shouldn't feel that 4-1, you're done unless somebody miraculously hits three solo home runs to tie it up. It just doesn't feel like there's going to be any type of rally. And I know people say the home run kills the rally, let me see that happen, please. Let me see the Mets get some type of rally that then gets killed by a home run. I'll be real happy with that. But you can't just rely on that multiple solo shots. That 13 seem to be messed up by home runs. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So let me see them put some guys on base before they get the, the home run. The old phrase, a bloop and a blast, we're not seeing any of those bloops. We're just seeing some blasts. And unfortunately, they're of the solo variety. And in most games, they aren't going to be enough to win for you. You can't expect your pitchers to go out there 
and pitch shutouts every single night because you're only going to put up one or two solo home runs throughout the course of a game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I too, I love a home run as much as anybody else, but, uh, you know, the only thing I love more than a Met home run, of course, the Met pitcher home run. Yeah. We've gotten a few of those (laughs) the past week and a half. So, I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, we, we certainly have had a good week for those, but, you know, at the same time, the Met pitchers, you know, whether it be, whether it be Bartolo Colon with the world's most unusual, unexpected home runner, two off the bat of Noah, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have your pitchers necessarily, you know, I mean, Noah produced all his own offense. I mean, that that isn't necessarily good either. Yeah, well, it's awesome to see. It's not exactly a, uh, a full endorsement on the rest of the guys in the lineup. No, it, it certainly isn't. And uh, although, you know, uh, I got to tell you one thing about that's been great about was great about playing the Dodgers and being uh, you know on this side of the coast, uh, having my choice of the feed. And I love Gary Keith and Ron, and of course Keith being off the past week, it's been Gary and Ron. But for the, you know those Dodger games, uh, all, all four of them, it was an absolute pleasure and an honor to get to listen to Vince Scully for four nights. Yeah, I'm really praying that Fox does the right thing and they bring Scully in for the World Series this year. I doubt it. I believe there's a certain ego there that wouldn't allow for that, but I really hope they do because uh, you're right. I mean, the guy is a, he's a national treasure. He, I, I've been loving on Twitter lately. People have just been posting transcripts of him calling an inning. So they're, they're, he'll be telling a story, but then they'll include, and ball outside, two or one, and then right back into the story. And just reading those transcripts, is just it just makes me happy. It makes me respect the guy so much more for his craft and uh, – he will definitely be missed when he is gone. And I'll, I'll definitely, I signed the petition to get him to do the uh, to do the uh, World Series inning or even a game. Uh, I, I don't know if those petitions ever actually work, but if one actually does, I, I would hope it would be this one. Yeah, I mean, he is that. I mean, I know he doesn't like to travel, especially. I mean, he's 88, so I mean, he pretty much does home games only. Uh, but I mean, even you know, the All Star Game is just down the road in San Diego. It's not that far. Don't even have to fly. I would be more than happy to hear him do a couple innings of that, especially because, you know, in all scenarios, it's, you know, we don't have to hear you know who for a couple innings. But, yeah. you know, the and thing you know, that amazes honestly, me, too, is. Aside from the fact that Terry mm-hmm. Collins is managing the team and there will probably be a lot of Mets on the team, uh, that's oh, yeah. pretty much the only incentive I would have to watch that game beyond when any Mets are actually playing. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that for me would get me in on it. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, with Terry being there and much of his coaching staff being there and hopefully, uh, um, you know, at least, uh, I would think at least two pitchers. Um, but, um, you know, we'll continue to see, um, you know, if any of the offensive players can, can get their butts in gear enough. You'd think Cespedes would be there. I would hope Cespedes would be there. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole those... lot of interest in the all-star game, but a couple innings by Vince Scully. Yeah. Count me in. Do you ever think those two innings would be, uh, or those two pitchers would probably be Bartolo Cologne and Steven Matz? <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely know, didn't see it going that way. Bit, after we saw a bit of bad Bart the other night, uh, yeah, I, I hope sir, Bartolo Cologne all-star went down just a little bit, but, uh, yeah, well, the, the ultimate wouldn't the ultimate be uh, a, a all-star game home run by uh, Bartolo Colon? Oh, they should put him in the derby just for uh, just for the fans' enjoyment. I mean, that, he, he hit his home run in San Diego. It makes sense. They say he hit some bombs in uh, in batting practice every week. So there you go. 
Well, sir, it's been a, it's it's been good catching up and getting to do a show here after being off last week. But uh, you know, it's certainly going to be a interesting week in Met baseball. And you know, obviously, I think a lot of people are going to put. I'm not, I'm going to say too much emotion on this week. Uh, first series against the Nationals. I wish it had been sooner. Uh, just because we got 19 games or 18 games against these guys, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, after these three, there's going to be 16 left. And uh, even if you lose all three, it's still the middle of May. And uh, I don't know about you, EJ. I'm not giving up on this team yet. If they lose, if they oh. get swept, I don't think they will. But you know what I'm saying? It's like not. I I, I fear for the fan base that. That uh, l- let's just say, if I was a window lock installer, I'd be busy this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll tell you, I have a feeling, and it might be me just being a blindly optimistic Mets fan here, but I have a feeling that just seeing the Nationals lined up against them for the the starting lineups and the anthem, something's going to click in this team. I feel like the hype machine is going to be there. I don't remember a single series in May being this as anticipated as this one will be. Uh, I'm definitely going to fall into the hype machine, as I already am kind of looking past today's game with Jake DeGrom on the hill and, and looking at the matchups that we have going. There's some very, very sexy matchups going in that series, and I'm really going to love having this much of an amped-up series this early on in the season. It proves that this thing is indeed a legitimate rivalry between these two teams. And I'll tell you, the, uh, the quote I was the, – the clip I've been looking for online, I have yet to – successfully find it. Did you ever see the HBO made-for-TV movie about Jackie Robinson starring Blair Underwood as Jackie? Yes, long ago. Yes. Okay, so at the end of the game when uh, Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson and, and Josh is coming to the end of his run and he's having some real off-the-field issues as Jackie was breaking into Major League, there's an exhibition between the Major League Baseball players and the, the All-Stars of the Negro League. And one of the guys on the on the major league team, as they're standing there on having the star spangled bang in song, rings yells out to them, "This ain't no exhibition. This one's for real, boys." And uh, that's kind of that's the post that I've been the, the clip I've been looking to post in regards to this upcoming national series, because that's kind of what it feels like. Yes, you're a month and a half into the season. Yes, every game that you played in this month and a half counts, but it almost feels like okay, this is when the real games start. Us versus the Nets for the first time, uh, and let's see who's who's got the, the bragging rights and who's got the chutzpah to take over the NL East. Because, honestly, the Mets lose today, the Nats win today, and, and the best the Mets can do coming into that series is squeak out a meager lead for first. It doesn't matter. The, the team that comes away taking two of three or even a sweep in this series is definitely going to be walking with a little swagger for, well, at least three days, and then they get to hook up and do it all over again at the other team's ballpark. This is going to be a fun week of baseball right now between the, uh, the Mets and the Nats. And I will say uh, that movie, too, was uh, the uh, first time I, as a younger baseball fan, the first time, you know, of course, before the web and all that stuff, um, the first time I'd heard of Josh Gibson and the, the amazing player he was. It, kids, if you're listening, uh, one of the best <laughs> yeah. players, of, of one of the best players to ever take the field in any league ever, Josh Gibson. Just a little history lesson yeah, for you I there. Did- Look him up. Yeah, we could do an entire hour easily on him and the history of the Negro Leagues, but that movie, same, introduced me to the player that he is. And really, I mean, honestly, his issues, he was made it to be the guy, not Jackie. But it's a great movie, and it's a great history. If you don't know about it, I highly suggest researching it, because you're right. Gibson was an amazing, amazing ball player. 
it's one of those things I've tried to do before and I've never been able to succeed, but I think this off season I'm going to see if we can't get a, a Negro Leagues expert and do an entire show on the Negro Leagues. I think that just needs to happen. Yeah, that would be fun. I would definitely be in for that. I, I've, I've done a lot of the, the reading on the league myself over the years. I know you have as well. I think that would be a fun off-season yes. show. Absolutely. Um, and last thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap things up, speaking of the Nationals, speaking of that team we're playing this week, I want to get your take on the Strasburg extension, which, let's be honest, just the, the word Strasburg and extension have me flabbergasted, even though I think it's a horrible deal. Yeah, I was absolutely shocked that he is getting, A, a long-term deal for a starting pitcher. Can you name any long-term deal for any starting pitcher that has ever been successful of that length? No, it never works out. And the way the deal is structured and the amount of money he got, I am baffled by. I never thought he was going to be able to command that, that amount of money, those amount of years coming off his history of injury, coming off the, the highs and the lows that he's had on the mound, I definitely thought that he was never going to be looking at that. And as a Mets fan, it makes it all the more realistic that your likelihood of keeping four is not happening. Your likelihood of keeping three is very unlikely to happen. And your likelihood of keeping even two may not happen. So it's, it's definitely, if that market is still there, and we don't know if the market's there. We've seen with the Jason Worth contract, that the Nationals seem to set a market on certain players that doesn't exist. They just feel, hey, he's a good guy. Let's give him a lot more money than he's worth. So we saw them do that with Worth. We've seen them do that now at Strasburg. But if the Mets pitchers continue to perform the way that they performed as the aces that they've been, if Harvey goes back to being Harvey, if Wheeler comes back and he looks like himself again, and if Mats and Thor continue to look as dominant as they've looked, take your pick because you're, you're not keeping all four. I know where my preference would be, and we'll see if that, that plays out to the course, but the Mets enjoy this run as long as we have it because it will come to an end eventually. You know, and, and it's kind of like I, I kind of feel like we're at the same point where when we started the show, you know, back in you know, 2008, 2009 and there, and we were talking about the dismantling of the core uh, in you know, the 06 team. You know, of course, uh, yep. Reyes, Wright, et cetera, and Beltron. Um, and which, you know, essentially, you know, right remains, the other do not. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel like we're kind of looking at that same situation. I mean, and you have to look at the reality of it, too. I mean, one, you, you've got Harvey, who's got Tommy John surgery, and, you know, Strasburg just set the record for what a Tommy John surgery pitcher gets, albeit four years after the operation. The um, yep. Grom is going to be on the wrong side of 30. Um, yep. And uh, Stephen Matz, as much as, as electric as he's been, basically every year of his career he's had some level of injury. Um, so yeah, I admit I have a bias and a preference. If I was going to plunk down a long-term deal, it would be on Noah. But you know maybe that changes if he blows out his elbow, which there was some scare of early about a month ago. He went for an exam. He's fine. But uh, you know at the same time that just proves. Thor may be from Asgard, but he's still kind of human. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, have that concern. I think if I'm the Mets, honestly, if Wheeler looks good, I try to lock him up on the cheap, and I try to lock up Noah after the season and then just play it by ear with the rest of them. Yeah, I agree with you, especially on Wheeler. I think you can look at him, and you have the bargaining chip saying, hey, 
we kept you here when you begged to be here. If any team is ever deserving of the hometown discount, I feel like it would be the Mets to Zach Wheeler. And you just hope he does come back and looks like himself because that's a very promising and most importantly, young career. That's still a oh, boomstick. Cespedes goes yard. Hey, look at that. Solo home run. Shocker. <laughs> what what are we talking about for about 25 minutes today? <laughs> the streaking no of the solo home runs. Uh, it's just, I love the, when we have a little like uh, Nostradamus in us on the show. But, uh, yeah, I think he definitely had the right to ask for a hometown discount from Zach Wheeler. And I, I like Syndergaard, too, as the second guy. Those are, the, those are two guys I would definitely look to, to be locking up. You're right about Matt. That it feels like you're almost living on borrowed time with him from a health standpoint. You, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he continues to flourish and has a very successful career. But those are, if I was to try to lock up two immediately, I think those would be the two. And if it looks completely doubtful that you are locking the other ones up, then uh, I definitely think you need to explore looking to move them later in the, their, what's left of their contract rather than just hopefully getting some draft picks for them. Here's the, here's the moral question, though. Regardless of how the Mets perform the rest of this season, with Strasburg off the market, there are no frontline starters available on the starter market for next year. Do you consider yep. trading Harvey? Absolutely. 100% I do. You know I have a bias against Harvey to begin with, but if he, As can, do get I. Back to pitching, uh, if he can get back to pitching like the Dark Knight and Harvey may actually mean something again, if he can do that, then I think you get his value as high as humanly possible. And, yeah, you definitely try to make a move and, and try to get back what would probably be something of a ransom for a guy of his caliber. I mean, I think you could automatically retool, fill a couple current holes, and fill a couple future holes. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I, I, I totally think agree. You could do an awful lot. You could bring in an all-star first baseman, probably. Um, you, you could bring in, uh, you know, you, you could bring in a a top level a top level fielder. I, I, I think, you know, I, I always joke that I have the elite eight of players that I would trade Matt Harvey for straight up. I don't know. Certainly, the way he's pitching right now, I don't think you'll get any of them. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't think uh, the way he's pitching right now uh, that. <laughs> You know, Houston's going to cough up Carlos Correa for him, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely um, especially, not. Especially with how, with, with how bad they are this year and how poorly Dallas Keiko is pitching. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so much for my World Absolutely. Series prediction on that one. <laughs> well, it, it should be noted, you can't my friends. Win the pennant. You can't win the pennant in April, but you sure can lose it. Absolutely. It, it should be noted, my friend. I'll give you one guess what Lucas Duda did after Cespedes' home run. I'm going to say he struck out. He struck him out. <laughs> uh, there you have it. Uh, I do think I, I think that, uh, I mean, you know, to look ahead to the offseason, as always, need to address the bullpen. That's just an every-year thing, period. I, I don't care how good the bullpen was. You've got to address it every year. But you've got to address first pace, and you're going to have to address catcher somewhere in the next one to nine months. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We make the, the we asked the question earlier, did we go from, is it going to be Pilecki or is it going to be Darno, who is the man? And it's turning out that it might be neither of them. It, it definitely remember, reminds me of just a few short seasons ago when the question was, is it Ike or is it Duda? And I feel like we may be reaching that same point that, you know what? It might not be either of them. You're right. We may need to address first base after all. Because it turned out that it definitely wasn't Ike, and it's starting to look like Duda just cannot 
keep it together long enough to make him a viable everyday first baseman. Oh, so sorry. I just was handed a, guest, a, a special guest who decided to uh, make a little baby noise into the, the phone there. So I think, uh, oh, I well, think that's you, a good. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, the sounds of Care Bears on in the background right now because I'm on uh, a little bit of dad duty here today. So uh, I'm letting my little guy uh, bouncing his trampoline down in my little studio here. And he, of course, kids today can't do so without some type of electronic device. So this entire uh, episode that we've been doing here, he's been watching. I believe he's on Clifford the Big Red Dog oh. right now. So that's what's been on in my background this whole time. Oh, there you go. So we definitely have the uh, romper room backgrounds today. But uh, <laughs> next week, uh, hopefully, we'll have some good baseball to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Next week we be, we will be coming off a, a very important series and, and getting ready for yet another very important series against the Nationals. So I feel like this is going to be a really fun week of baseball, and I'm I'm excited to watch it. Hopefully, I'll be excited to watch the rest of the, the, the seven innings remaining of this game, and it just doesn't give me my Sunday night agita. Well, there you go. And and the one thing too, uh, I can honestly say, this series will age me. I can say that with certainty. <laughs> I will be a, at least a year older by the time we do the show next week. So, you know, this, this, this game ages you. Yeah, at least it won't age me the way this week did where the, the, the series aged me and made me a zombie at work being on the West Coast. At least this time I'll, I'll be able to go to bed with my uh, either frustrations or elations. Oh, wow. You and your East Coasters and your, some complaints about the West Coast game. <laughs> <laughs> All you right, know what? This friend, is the first. Is this, pl- real quick, this What's is that? the first time. I'm 37. I'll be 38 next month. I used to adore West Coast games. My wife would always be asleep by the time they started. My kid would be asleep. I would sit down. I'd have my little snack, maybe a little second supper, and I would not miss a pitch. This is the first time in my life I really felt the West Coast games this year, and it's just a sign of my own mortality. There was one game, I'll admit, there was one game during the Dodgers series where I don't remember the ninth inning. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those slow movers, and it's just like, nah, I woke up, oh, your game has ended. Um, okay, <laughs> so go to bed. <laughs> well, my friend, and one, talk, uh, obviously. one final PSA for me, one final PSA. Dykstra's not oh, writing his it. own tweets, people. Dykstra is not writing his own tweets. Get over it, people. You're not talking to nails. No, I, I can't. Yeah, he's definitely ghostwritten. And speaking of 86 Mets, have you followed today in 86 Mets? Yeah, I love it. That is a great account. Kudos to uh, whoever came up with that right one. favorites right now. Yeah, that's a great account. I don't know account. who's doing it, but I love the play-by-play and the live tweets of games from 1986. That has just been awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to rereading the bar tweets from the, the Houston fight. That should be coming up soon. <laughs> Yeah, that would be mid-July. But, uh, yeah, if we can figure out who that is, I'd love to have them on the show because uh, they're doing a great job, just an absolute great job. Yeah, definitely a fun read, definitely worth checking out. And I'll actually uh, I'll probably retweet one of their tweets from our account if you follow us and not them, so then you can follow them as well. Absolutely, yeah, you, you definitely need to. So we'll, we'll uh, definitely talk more about that. Like I said, we'd love to get somebody on. I don't know if it's a multi-person effort or a single-person effort, but – I have a few people that may know who's doing that account, so we'll we'll try and track them down and see if we can't talk some 86 Mets with them. My friend, a pleasure, as always. 
And you as well. Can't wait to do it again next Sunday. Probably more of the typical starting time and the, the more longer form fashion to, uh, to discuss the upcoming national series. Absolutely. It'll be my, it'll be fun. And hopefully we'll get a guest in here to talk with us and uh, normal time, normal show. Sounds good, my friend. Talk to you then. All right. Until next week. Cause gosh, we need it. Let's go Mets.